beautiful set. How many of you are alive this morning? Pray that that um, we will not be passing along Omicron. <laughs> That's how you open up the year right there. <laughs> um, man, I'm just thankful. Thankful come to the end of the year and the beginning of the year. And I think sometimes like we make much of seasons of changes, but sometimes we make too little. Like there is an opportunity um, in the calendar, and I think that God, God wired things. In fact, we'll talk about this in, in a little bit and how this reflects on our church calendar. But God, God um, set in mo- set into motion um, from the very beginning the seasons, and He set into motion the times of day that there would be day and there would be night. And at every wedding, I typically read from Genesis 1 to 2 that I do. And and when God does these things, when he creates um, the day, he creates the sun and the stars and the moon, and he sets um, the separation between darkness and light, and he sets the seasons, and he sets the um, everything. He always looks back. There's this thing that he does with creation. He looks back and he says, and it was, he saw it and it was good. And the word good there is the word tov and I love that word, used it in a lot of different contexts, but it's an artist's word. It's an artist reflecting back on his, on his creation and going, wow, that's, that's beautiful. That's right. And so there's something about seasons that God created. Man, like there's something about seasons. You, you, have, you have adolescence, you have childhood, adolescence, you have adulthood. And, you know, I've got, Several grandparents right now that are they're in the twilight of their life, and I, I get to spend time with them and in the unique presence that they give. And seasons are a thing; they are a gift that God has given us. And when seasons adjust, they are a gift that God is bringing us. And so, it's a, it's important. And I wouldn't even plan on talking about all this, but it's, it, it's important that we pay attention as seasons change. Small seasons like winter to spring and bigger seasons. Um, and for us, how many of you were on that, that uh, Zoom call back in November that we did where we tried to present all the information? <laughs> um, it was awesome. Um, we, we do that to give you guys the sense of what's going on and to let you know that we're really well prepared and planned. And I don't think we communicated that. Um, but um, uh, we are going to kind of not rehash that whole presentation, but rehash just a few things. Um, we wanted to take this Sunday, um, and I'll jump into it in just, just a minute, but we wanted to take this Sunday and... Um, and go um, talk about some of the, the things that are happening this year. And so, um, for me, um, I probably start getting dialed in at the end of each year with, like, I try to start getting dialed in, and I feel like the Lord starts talking to me before I try to get dialed in. The Lord starts talking to me about, about the coming year. 
And normally it's around October, Thanksgiving time. Like it's like it's like God is clearing my mind and He's making um, He's making room for new things. And the first thing that I always do when God is talking to me either about a new season or but but over the last few years about the new year is that I reflect upon how God has been working in my life. How has He already been at work? I think a lot of times when we talk about vision or hearing from God or whatever, it's like we try to imagine something in the future that's completely disconnected and abstracted from us, and we're going to go get that thing and do it. Um, but I, I, like over the years, the Lord has brought me to this place of looking to see how is God already at work and that begins a discussion of what this, what the new year um, holds. So this last year, one of the things that God spoke to me about, I remember I was having this time of prayer, and I asked the Lord, say, God, I don't know what prompted this question. There was something that prompted this question. But I asked the Lord this question. I said, God, when is my worship most genuine to you? To you? When is my worship most genuine to you? And I heard the Lord like immediately answer. He said, when you shepherd my people. And, and I was remembered the words that Jesus told Peter. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And so I just was like, okay. And so when I got to October, November, as I was reflecting upon how God is at work in my life, I thought, you know what? God is at work in my life and my just shepherding and caring for people. Like, like that's... That's one of the ways that he's he's at work, and I want to continue that. And so that unfolds into so like that's where I that I, I start is I I start looking at how is God working in me. The second thing I often do is I begin to reflect on how has God been at work in our church community. And these don't necessarily they don't necessarily have an order. I typically start personally and family wise, like how is it going? But it doesn't have to have an order. But I start reflecting on how God is at work in our church community. And that begins a conversation of how he might be continuing to do his work in this coming year for our church. And the third thing is that I look for how these things converge. And over the years, this process has kind of refined, and there's been some elements of where it's like he's kind of like refined it, honed the process. And there are, um, like, let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I was um, praying about, God, where are you sort of wanting to work in my life? And, and um, the Lord was like, I want you to let go of the outcomes. I want you to be letting go of outcomes. And I would say up until that point, there were a lot of times where I would be asking God for some direction or a word or some leading into the new year. And it might be like, I'm going to do these five things and I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this at this. And the Lord was like, you know, actually all that accomplishing, nah, we don't need that. We don't need that at this point. I want you to let go of the outcomes. And so over the last few years, as I've reflected on what God might be saying to my life, our family's life, to the life of this community, um, this sort of understanding of letting go of outcomes and being focused on what God is saying has sort of matured the process a little bit. 
And I'm saying all this for a reason because I, at the end of this time, I'm actually going to invite us into a little bit of moment of introspection to see if God might be speaking to all of us here individually. Um, but so I'm just giving you stuff. So, so over the last few years, as we pray for what is God speaking to our church, we, we think less in a big picture about outcome-oriented vision and more about what I would call a thematic-oriented vision. And we see this in the epistles of Paul, which are his letters to churches, and we see this in Revelation 2 and 3, that there are really, we have really good examples of how God speaks to community, and they're more thematic. So let me give you an example of what I mean by thematic. So at the, um, at the very opening uh, part of Revelation, you have Revelation 1, which is God speaking to John, and then you have Revelation 2 and 3. And this is like the part of Revelation that's like more understandable and readable. But in Revelation 2 and 3, you have seven letters that the Spirit is wanting to send to seven different churches. And they're very straightforward, pragmatic um, points of encouragement and points of, hey, I need you to, we need you to grow here. And so the first opening letter is one to Ephesus, which you may have heard. He's commending them for their good works, for their faithfulness, for their sticking to like the truth. And, and, but he's saying, you've kind of lost your first love. I want you to return to your, repent and return to your first love. Are you, are you with me? So like, and he does this with seven different churches. He gives them specific encouragements that are spirit-breathed words for those churches for those periods of time. Does this make sense? And when Paul writes letters, he writes letters to churches for that specific community for that specific time. And I'm not, they are applicable to us today. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just making a point that they are words in season and they're thematic. They aren't like... It's not like, return to your first love. Like, how do you measure that? That's not an outcome. That's a call to something. And so, so as, a, as a community, we believe, and we believe that we see this in Scripture, we believe that God has words for our community that are in season and appropriate and meant to encourage us and to bring us together and to bring us into His, into His will. Does this make sense? And so we take time to reflect on what God is saying because we want to be in step with His will and His word for the season. And this phrase uh, that we've mentioned a couple times kept kind of coming up to us as we were thinking about what God was speaking. And it was this phrase um, that called the beauty of God. And so as we reflected, we felt like and we prayed, and we had several of us meet and talk this through, we felt like that God wanted to take us into a season, into a year, where we emphasized His beauty. Where we emphasized what He's doing, done in creation, in the Scripture, in His, in his image, his, his character. And so we just, we're like, okay, we're just going to lean into the beauty of God. And what that means to us is that we want to take this year to really stir our hearts in wonder and in curiosity and in amazement with the beauty of God. So I wrote my uh, focus personally. So I have a plan. We, we all write plans and I have a personal focus plan. And I wrote my, per, my personal focus was to provoke people to fall in love with the beauty 
of who God is. And so, if you want to know what I'm, one of the things I'm doing as a pastor this year, I'm trying to provoke all of you to fall in love with the beauty of who God is. And, and so, we really just want to lean into this. And so, I want, now if we can go ahead and pull up the presentation. And if we can start. Okay, so there you get, see it, that, that beautiful mountain in the background. We've got the mountains testifying to the glory of God up there. And this came from Psalm 27.4, which I think is such a beautiful text because um, I mentioned this on our, on our call in November, but the thing that most amazes me about this text is that David was a person who had had every bit of, he had every option that you could have in life for a man at his time. He had the glory, he had um, all the women in the world wanting him he had the you know the wealth he had he had ev- he had everything that that um had all the options available to him but this is what he says he says one thing i ask from the lord this only do i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the lord and to seek him in his temple and so we want to participate with the same spirit of desire that david has that even as we have options in our life of many things that we could pursue. We want this sort of focus, this singular um, and attention towards the beauty of God. And so this will be reflected in our calendar and the things we do and the series that we preach. It's not that every single week I'm going to preach on the beauty of God, but it'll be an underlying theme throughout the year. So if you want to jump to the next um, hey, so this next week we are starting this, um, this series, which is based on the Psalm 27. Dwell, gaze, and seek. And we're going to be taking seven weeks to, to talk about and to give ideas and to look at texts that will encourage us to be those who dwell, gaze, and seek upon the beauty of God. And we want to um, provoke our imagination, to provoke our discipline, to provoke our, our wonder in a way that actually leads us into a life of being, I guess, dwellers, gazers, seekers. And, and so like, that's going to be starting this next week. We want you to be aware of that. And um, yeah, we're excited about that. Um, keep going. Um, Yes, and one thing that I want to mention really quickly that has, that has, this has developed over the last couple years sort of organically, but we have kind of a seasonal mapping of the way that we think about the year. And so in the spring, we focus on telling God's story. And if you've been with us the last four years, I think, could be wrong, we have, we have observed uh, Lent, not in like a high church, super religious way, but we've observed Lent by walking through the texts that highlight the life of Jesus leading up to his death and resurrection. And during this time, we tend to be less focused on life application oriented teaching and more focused on actually just simply telling the gospel story. And we think it's really important that before we rush into how does the Bible make me a better dad or make me a better business leader or make me a better parent, the, what's, what's essential for us to do, and the reason that the early church did this, um, and the church has done this for 
probably 1,800 years, is they, they did this as a, as a discipleship refreshing reminder and bringing those in who were new and reminding those who had been in the faith of the core fundamental story of the gospel, which is Jesus being born, God incarnate in Jesus, Him leading, leading a sinless life, you know, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, dying, raising again, ascending to the Father in heaven. And so we will take, we take the spring to tell the story of God. And that's what we focus on. And we actually do that with our kids too. Like, you know, that we focus on, on deepening our connection to God's story. This summer, this, la- this last year we did, how many of you participated in wayfinding? And so wayfinding is more of like it was a discipleship-oriented path that helped us sort of see how do we fit within God's story? How do we, um, how, what, how do I uniquely, what are the gifts, the callings, or the, uh, or the communities that God has put me in? How has he called me to love? Like we look at the summer as a time to dig into a role of God's story. And then in the fall, um, we, we do things like we did a business incubator, we did yoga and prayer. We do things in the fall that tend to be more engageable with people outside of our community. And so just when you think about our year, like once again, it's not like we're super litigious about this. We don't make this like, you know, hyper, you know, strict focus on this, but this is the way we, we think through our year and we think, think about it in seasonal rhythms. You can go to the next Next deal. Um, one of the things that I keep mentioning, and I will keep mentioning it till forever, is that we've been, we've created this resource called the Abide Journal, and it just basically has a it has a prayers. It has at the very beginning of it, it has an outline for a daily office, which a daily office is just a sort of outline or a framework that you can pray through and pray within, and. It has, um, it has uh, like the text, the scriptures, which cl- loosely follow the Book of Common Prayer. And so when we pray through scriptures in our community, we'll be praying mostly, not 100%, but mostly we'll be praying through scriptures that we might have read in the last week or two that come from this. And so we really believe that prayer is not just a thing you do individually, it's a thing you do as a community. This is a way that you can participate with the seasons and the rhythms. And Sarah and Andrea have put a lot of hard work. Give these guys a hand. It is much, much advanced and improved. It's beautiful. It has testimonies. It has beautiful pictures and um, just a lot of encouraging things in there. So those are 20 bucks. We don't make any money on that. That's just to cover the cost. Um, Go to the next thing. A couple things, February. So let me tell you, like, we are going to do, in the month of February, this is going to be, like, in connection with our Dwell, Gaze, and Seek series. We are going to be doing a once a week sundown to sundown fast. You're like, why? That's kind of weird. Why would you do that? That, like... um, Jesus turns out Jesus was a Jew, and uh, the, you know he's American, yeah. Um, but the the way that Jewish people think is that the you know that the day begins at sundown and it ends in sundown, and so fasting was often I don't know entirely, but most often fasting would have been done in a sundown to sundown way, 
And it's actually a little bit easier to do. Like that's one other benefit is that you can you can eat throughout the day and then and then not eat then eat dinner the next day. And so um, we're going to do as a community the, a weekly one week one day of the week fast through the month of February. And we're going to especially emphasize prayer, um, our Zoom prayer during that time, and we're just going to be highlighting prayer. So that's something that's coming up. And this is TBD, but the reason this is TBD is my daughter came to me and was like, Dad, we didn't do that camp out that we intended to do that got planned, canceled by COVID. She was like, I want to do a camp out. You know, we, my grandparents have 10 acres of land that's actually, it's, it's wooded. It's, it's, it's quite pretty, as Texas pretty goes. It's not Colorado, but... Um, it, anyway, she was like, oh, we got to go do the camp out at Mimo and Papa's land. And, and I was like, well, Grace, it's not really on our calendar. She, I, I, was like, I was like, but here's the deal. I was like, if you'll help me plan it and you'll help me plan the spiritual elements of the camp out for the community, then we'll do it. And she was like, yep, I'll help plan it. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> we're, I'm in. And so th- this is a last minute add-on and it actually has, it's interesting there was a, I, uh, when Grace brought this up, a series of other people I had talked to had gotten interested in camping and hiking for different things. And so we're actually going to plan a couple of things throughout this year. Like, like as an example, I'm going to plan a monthly hike for our church. And if you want to come, you can. And just going to be a contemplative walk somewhere in Dallas that will be out in the woods. And we may actually plan a little bit longer kind of camping thing in the summer. But we are going to be doing a camp out in February, which is the main reason this is up here. And so um, that's probably just going to be a single night thing. It's an hour drive from Dallas. We'd, we'd love for you to be a part of that. We'll let you know dates on that. Um, you want to keep going? Um, Lent will start March 2nd. Is March 2nd um, Ash Wednesday? Okay, so, so Ash Wednesday every year. It's like one of my favorite things we do. Um, we do a morning and a noon Ash Wednesday, which is a time of reflection and repentance to be um, reminded of the things that God is wanting us to let go of, to move forward into the fullness that He has for us. That will kick off Lent. And at that time, we will be kicking off House Church, which will last for three months. As of right now, we'll have two House Church communities, one in Dallas, one in the Burbs in Rowlett. Um, and that will... The, the focus during that time will be to delve into the, the texts that lead us through um, the story of Jesus up to his death and resurrection. And then we will continue um, from Easter to Pentecost. Everybody with me? You will get an email with all this stuff. I'm just trying to give you give you quick hit. Um, is that, that's it? Okay, good. Um, let's give a hand for a short presentation. Thanks, babe. Um, so we actually sent out a template and this is a couple times I've announced this, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to your attention at the end. We actually sent out a template of questions that you can walk through that would personally align you to what God is saying. And so we, we, the same, the same questions do what? Sending it today. The same questions that we went through 
as a team in November to just sort of ask, like, hey, God, what are you speaking for our family, for our life? We've just sent out, it's a couple very short series of questions, and I'm going to bring one up to you at the end of the service. And, but what I encourage you to do when you think about it is think about not only what is God saying to you personally, but how does your life and what God's speaking to you converge with this community's life? I think that's critical. And so um, I want to mention that we take time to do this because we believe that God is wanting to connect us with his voice. Like we just believe that. And like seven, when, when uh, these encouragements are given in Revelation 2 and 3 to seven churches that are unique, God-breathed encouragements for those specific churches, he, it says seven times in a row to each, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so I think there's something very fundamental in what it means to be a Christian and in a community following God to actually have a, a discernment and an attention to what God is saying to the community. Not just what God is saying to me. That, that can be um, sort of uh, our American narcissism. Um, but what is God saying to our community of believers? And so we think that is, that's really critical. I, I hope I don't, I don't think I will embarrass her by saying this, but Susanna uh, and I were texting back and forth yesterday about what, is, what are the promises of God. Um, I, you know, what I share with Susanna is both of us grew up in, in like, homes where it was like we were in church every time the door opened and we both grew up in a Christian school and so the amount of like Bible that was thrown at us was was copious and um, maybe even actual literal Bible thrown um, I, I don't know but um, but anyways like as you go through life with God you have disappointments and you have your you have new frame of understanding that that's given you with scripture and context and and you still want to believe in the promises of God and that He speaks things to us, but you kind of like, oh, well, what are the promises of God? What I can tell you is one of the most clear promises that God gives us is, I'll hit it from a couple different angles. First, in Matthew 28, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Here's the part here. He says, surely I am with you always. And so one of the most fundamental promises that we can absolutely cash in, tank to the bank, is that God is going to be with us. Amen? And God has promised to be with us. This is why we believe He speaks to us. Like, let me, give, let me hit it to you from another angle. In John 14... Uh, 15 through 17 and verse 26, it says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, but this is applicable to us. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I'm glad forever is there. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Boy, that's, that's powerful. And in verse 26, it goes on to say, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's, that's beautiful. Like, 
I'm so grateful that we have the Scriptures and the Bible to testify to who Jesus is. But what, th- what Jesus is saying here is I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. And so we have this promise that God is present with us. We sang it. We read Scriptures about it. And we have the, the secondary element of this promise is not only is He present, but He's present in a way that He lives in us to lead us into all truth. And, and truth is, like the things he wants to lead us into aren't just the universal truths about who he is, but they're also the specific truths about where he's leading us. And this is why so often in the New Testament, there are specific words for groups of people and individuals because God is not just in the business of telling everybody, here's the rules of the game, figure it out. He's also in the business of speaking personally to us where we're at in the season. Amen? And so I believe that. Like, take that to the bank right there. You can too. And so we have been um, kind of emphasizing, and I think as a family, this is like sort of like becoming a theme, or becoming our major theme, is Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit, of God are the children of God. And so we want to teach our kids to be led by the Spirit. Like we're kind of playing around with this motto for our family of led by the Spirit. And so we got to Christmas Day and the kids had heard the Christmas story 82 times by the time they had got to Christmas Day. They'd heard it at church. They'd heard it at the, the church night. They'd heard it at this grandparent gathering, this grandparent gathering at Christmas. And I was like, okay, we're not going to read the Christmas story again. We read, we read the story of the Magi. And we tied it in um, to how God leads us by His Spirit. And I'm going to read to you the story of the Magi for two reasons. Um, first, because it ties in with what we're saying. But secondly, this is um, this week, uh, I think it would be the 6th, the Thursday, was what's called Epiphany. How many of you have ever heard of this before? Epiphany is a holiday that's celebrated in the liturgical Christian calendar that commemorates um, the Magi um, coming from the East to, to see Jesus. And the, and the, the point of this, uh, this celebration is God's first revelation of Jesus to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And so, so this, is a, this, is a, this is a scripture that comes from this week's readings, if you will. So I'm going to read to you. And just be reminded of this, this story that maybe you heard as a child. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of the king of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Babe, could you grab me some water? When King Herod heard about this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for that is where the prophet is written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. 
And as soon as you find him, report me so that I may too go and worship him. And they heard the king. They went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, so we asked, thank you, babe. We asked our kids, okay, if we want to be people led by the Spirit, like, tell me, like, what are the different ways that these um, men were led? And I'll just give you the, our conclusions of our little family devotional. But for, the first conclusion was they were led, but God spoke to them in nature, right? They looked up, they saw a star, and they just started following this dang star. Like, how many of you have, you know, I'm not saying that we need to follow a star. That's not the point I'm making. But how many of you woke up, you're like, I'm going to follow that star today. Like, this is a, I mean, I, I concede that people at that time were more mystically lined people. But this is an unusual thing to make a really long journey over a star. And so I don't know, know all the elements that went into that. But God spoke to them through nature. The second thing that we don't know for sure, but it is likely, if you read commentary on this, they, they come and they ask the question to, the, um, to Herod, who is the one, who, where is the one who is supposed to be born king of the Jews? Now, it's likely that for them to ask that question, they had had to read some Torah or some of the prophets to be able to have an understanding or, or understanding that there was a king of the Jews or that there were Jews at all. Um, they would have likely had to uh, had an understanding of the literature. God could have just literally given that phrase to them when He showed them the star, but it's it you know it's highly possible we'll say that they also would have had to read some prophetic account, read some scripture about who this person was. So, so first God speaks to nature. Second, He possibly spoke through sacred texts. And the third thing is He spoke to them in a dream. He said, they, they're like there, and they're like, you got crafty Herod, like, hey, come back, I'm going to come worship him, you know, uh, pull the, if you, you know, like cross the finger, and, um, and it, you know, like, turns out that's not his motivation, and they got warned in a dream, don't go back that way, go another route. And so here's like just a simple story where being led by the Spirit doesn't just mean one thing. It means being open and available to God's working, His talking, His beauty everywhere you are. Like I walked down, my, down the street this morning as I was reflecting on one, this, what I was going to say. I walked down the street and I was like, there was just all these birds and squirrels and just nature doing its thing. And it was foggy, but it was beautiful. And it was cool, but it wasn't like, cold. And I like I said this, I was like, yeah, this is the cool of the day. I like said that out loud. <laughs> and I immediately thought to 
God, with Adam, he said, I walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. Sometimes when we open our eyes to the beauty that's around us, he's speaking in lots of ways. So being, being a people who, that we listen to what God is saying during changing of seasons for our community, for our lives, that we're led by the Spirit, means that we're open to God speaking to us in a variety of ways. Amen? Um, here's the thing that's really most profound about this text to me, though. It's the, the celebration of Epiphany is the celebration of God's light coming to the Gentiles, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but this is the beautiful thing. The first encounter with the gospel, with Jesus, the Messiah incarnate, is not the apostles preaching. It's, it's the Spirit leading people. It's the Spirit drawing men from a far way away to follow a star and to be led to Jesus. Isn't it amazing that it wasn't, it wasn't man's words that revealed God to the Gentiles, but it was sensitive ears, attentive spirits, and God speaking. Because you know who is the best revealer of God? God. <laughs> God is the best revealer of God. And He wants to continually reveal Himself to you. Not just about the absolute nature of who He is, but about the specific place that you fit within His story. And the specific time. Amen? So, I have three encouragements for you, and then we're going to take a time to practice listening um, with communion. Um, three like encouragements for you in clinging to words and prophetic things that God gives you. I have three encouragements. This is not like an exegetical teaching. This is just, I wrote these down because they just, I just felt like I should say these things. Um, first one is kind of a funny one. Let go. If you have words that God has given you, you have things that you believe he's spoken about your wife, life, um, and your wife. But um, uh, if you have things that God has spoken to you, or that you believe is spoken to you, this is my encouragement. Let go of superhero words. What superhero words are, are the words that are like, like I have a, I could fill a notebook of all the people who have told me, like, you're going to have this big, big ministry that's going to be known by half the world. Like, I could fill a notebook with the amount of times that people told me something. I'm exaggerating a bit, but, but like, people told me something to this matter. If that happens, fine. Like, I don't cling to that. Because I'm interested in what God is speaking about my character, my life with Him, where He's encouraging me to grow. Like, I, I do not want to be a superhero. I want to be fruitful. So this is what John 15, 7 through 8 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. 
Showing yourselves to be my disciples. God doesn't need you to be a superhero. He just needs you to bear fruit. And so like God wants to give us words. I believe that God wants to give us words and he wants to speak to us in ways that we can be fruitful. How many of you can get on board with that? Um, The second thing that I'll tell you, and this is just my encouragement for the year, is to grab hold of his daily word. To grab hold of a daily word. Um, In the Lord's Prayer, we pray this prayer every week. You know, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I've been with people around the world that they needed God to provide a literal daily bread. But understand that Jesus was speaking this to a group of people that were not struggling to have, I mean, they may not have had massive wealth or whatever, but they were not needing like literal loaves and fish every single day. My, my opinion about this scripture, and I think there's a lot of other theologians that, that agree with this, and I think it's both of these things, but that this is primarily referencing, like, our, like when we ask for his daily bread, we are asking for the portion of God's voice and his presence that sustains us this day. Like, and I think we miss over this because we're like, give us a day of bread. Yeah, you've been giving it to me for 36 years straight, baby. Um, <laughs> no, like he wants to sustain you daily. In fact, so many times Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness with the tempter, he says, it is, not, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In John 6, when the Pharisees are talking about literal bread, Jesus is like, you don't understand. The bread I am talking about is that, well, I don't think that's the one I'm talking about. That's, that's, in, the, that's in the next one. That's in the next one. Don't worry. Um, Earlier in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will... will." Anyway. Um, And and in John 4, when Jesus... when the disciples come and find Jesus at the, at the well, he's like, I've already eaten some secret bread that you don't know about. And they're like, what is this bread? He's like, my bread is to do the will of my Father. And so when Jesus is talking about bread, most often he is talking about his word, his plan, and our communion with him. And so I want us to see this. When you open up this when you open up your life to pray this prayer, to live a life that looks like the prayer of Jesus, you are praying, give us this day our daily bread. And I think a lot of times people want the word for their career change or their massive ministry or the big thing that's going to happen. But man, I want the daily bread. I have so many testimonies of like, I do this, I'm doing it right now, and sometimes I'm not doing it, but I, I try to make a practice of asking God in the morning, what do you have for me today? Or what's on your heart today? Like, like today. And I have so many stories, but one that I've told a number of times is that one day, I was like, God, what, what is it that you have for me today, to do today? Or whatever. And the word was, encourage your sister. And I'm sitting right over there, And we're about to have a staff meeting. And my sister, you know, loves Jesus, following Jesus. She was in a time in her life that was struggle. And I hadn't 
seen her in a while, and she, um, I hear a knock on the door, and I go to the door right as I wrote that down, and my sister is standing in front of me. And I just knew right then, like, oh God, you were talking to me, and, I'm, and I'm, I can pray with her, encourage her right now. And so I think that we make the big things too big, the small things too small. Let's not try to get the big fancy word. Let's try to get the daily bread of God. Amen? Man, if, I, if, I, if I'm like the Magi and I'm open to God everywhere, that's what makes me a person led by the Spirit. Um, so first thing, let go of superhero words. If you've got superhero words that you're clinging to, just flush them. Or, like, God might do them. Don't, God might do them. I'm not saying he won't do them. I'm not, but I don't need to become the superhero that, that people are saying I, I'm going to be or that I should be. Like, I don't need to do that. If God wants to do that, he'll do that. Do, do you, are you with me? So, I don't know. That may not resonate for everybody, but second thing, grab a hold of his daily word. Third thing, third thing is, if you, if you, a, if you read like a lot of the literature on spiritual formation and direction through the centuries, which spiritual formation is sort of a fancy term for how, what is, what is the observable process in, through which people are matured into their relationship with God and their spiritual life? Like, and one of the things that is so echoed, so repeated is that one of, if not the primary, if one of the primary goals of spiritual formation is to become more and more trusting of God. More and more trusting of God. And so my, 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 my final point with receiving the Spirit's leading is to trust Him. Trust Him. Trust God. Um, there, I shared this this morning in our pre-service prayer, but there's this poem at the beginning of Jason Upton's album, A Table Full of Strangers. And the poem goes like this. It says, there's a, time, there's a time before machinery, a time before certainty, a time before we bought the lie, a time before the farmer died. And the picture, it's a weird picture, the pictures that he's giving is that we live in a world and a culture, I'm not saying machinery is bad or evil or anything. But we live in a world and culture where everything is like certain and predictable. Like if I order on Amazon, I'm going to have it in two hours. Like if I, if I go, like if I go to McDonald's, a Big Mac is going to be a Big Mac. When you go inside a manufacturing plant, like it's going to succeed at manufacturing the thing it manufactures 99.99999% of the time. We, I don't think we realize this, but because of our culture, we live in an age where things feel certain to us in lots of ways that we don't recognize. And it's affected the way we think about faith and our view of God. We've conflated certainty and faith. But a farmer, a farmer, a simple farmer, 200 years ago, or in some parts of the world still, a farmer would have to put his seed in the ground and look to the heavens. That's a different kind of life. 
hear me. I'm not telling you to go buy 10 acres and start a farm and leave your job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that life of believing in God's promises is not trying to develop math equations for God meeting your expectations. It is not about certainty. It's about trust. We are, in our faith, we're more like farmers than we are like manufacturer, I don't know what the word is. We're more, we're more like farmers. We're more like those who plant seeds in the ground and we wait for God to come. Amen? Um, I love John 6. Now we can put this John 6 text up and I'll finish with this. It says, uh, and they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works of, that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe, <coughs> to believe, I tried to say it with authority, to believe in the one He has sent. To believe in the one He has sent. That is the work of God, to trust and believe. Amen? So what I'm going to do is I actually wrote down um, some of the questions that we went through, and we're sending them out, but I'm going to put one of the questions out to you right now, and we're going to come grab the elements of communion, and I want you to ponder on the question. Before we come to the table, I'm going to give you the question, so you, you want to write this down. Um, the simple question is, where do we see God currently at work in our lives? It's a simple question. Just, just We're going to come grab elements, and I want you just to think over this question. If you've already done this question, because um, you followed, you saw the email, then, then great. But I want you to just take this question. Where do we see God already at work in our lives? If you can come grab the elements with me, we'll come back to our seat.
You are the first that I seek in the evening. You call me.
to give you just a couple more minutes to ponder on this question and then we will receive the bread and the juice together. I think this message this morning is most represented in in this table, um, and it's that not only did Jesus die and raise, body broken, his blood pour out for us um, once and for all, but that same meal is prepared for us all of eternity, and we receive of it. And this uh, this little juice, this bread, we receive the fact that His life is bringing nourishment to this mortal body to this very day. And that is what His words are. That is what His words are. We live. We live off this daily table that God provides us. We will live within the life of His death and resurrection. And so we lift lift this 
with me. Lord, I just pray that you would enable and empower us by your Spirit to be those who receive the nourishment that's available all around us. That we would be those Spirit-led, grounded in the truth of Jesus. That we would see your wonder in the stars and in nature. That we would be amazed at your beauty that is woven into our lives. That's woven into the Scriptures, God. That's woven into the prayers of those before us. It's woven even into the traditions that we come into, God. I pray that you would, um, you would allow us to encounter the manifold nature of your beauty, the manifold nature of your wisdom. Let us be those who receive it daily. And on this, we, we proclaim and remember the death of Jesus. We do that till you come in Jesus' name. You may receive. I'm thankful for Jesus, what he's done for us. I want to have uh, Susanna come and talk a little bit about prayer. Um, and I want you to hear this because I really believe that what's going on with prayer is, is an engine driving this community right now. And so, and then. I was going to ask, how many of you, raise your hand if for one time you've had a chance to jump on prayer Zoom in the last couple of years? I think everybody, I've, I feel like a lot of us have. And I'm so grateful. You guys, like I teach my kids, um, look at the main people that you're hanging out with and do you, they have what you want in life and do, are they going where you want to go? And the 15 minutes that we do the Zoom prayer for Clear Path um, is probably one of those most beautiful spaces of influence in my life of people that I'm like, they encourage my faith, they spur me on to truth. And so um, if you're not familiar with what we've been doing, Clear Path started a Zoom prayer meeting in the middle of the pandemic just to create a space for us to come together safely and pray. And so every Monday through Friday from 1130 to 1145, we jump on a Zoom together and we pray. And so we have some incredible leaders that have been so faithful. This spring, we'll be coming up on three years strong, y'all. Like, I am so excited. <laughs> it has been an honor to join this last year and just help um, nurture this, this beautiful space. And so if at all you're interested, if you've been here a while and you're like, man, I, even if you haven't come and you just like, man, I want to cultivate uh, talking to God and having space to listen, our leaders just take time to listen. And then we come together when we've had some uh, documents we put together that just let us pray in unity. And then we, we pause and listen for a little bit. And then we carry the burdens of those in our local community and we, we lift them up. And so if you want to help lead prayer, we need a few more volunteers just to help back us up and shore us up. And if you're like, I don't want to talk on a mic, but I'm super techie, we could really use another Zoom hoster that just helps us get the Zoom set up and you're behind the scenes and you don't, nobody has to know that you're there. But um, we just want to shore that up a little bit more this year. So if you're at all interested, please contact me after church and I'd love to help uh, let you know how you could get set up. And if you're... <laughs> you don't. You don't because I'm not and I do it. So that is... Uh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, the Abide Journals have the information for how to get on that Zoom if you aren't sure. So, you know, check that out or ask anyone that raised their hand and say, hey, how do you get on? And that will be able to help you get set up with how to jump on the prayer Zooms every day. And then pre-service prayer. 
a lot of people don't, we don't know we have it. So I wanted to just put some shout outs there. Every Sunday morning, to the best of our abilities, we meet at 9.45 to about 10.10. And most likely we'll be in this kid's room right here to the left, right when you walk into the hallway. And um, it's just, again, another beautiful space where we just, we just listen to God and we pray accordingly. And um, we would love for you to join us. We would love for that space to grow and just know that it's available to you and you're welcome to come. So thank you. Colby? Uh, I've just got the closing prayer for us today. O oh Lord, in you we will break ground both fresh and new. As students, let us stand and break the hardness of the land with your forgiving Father hand. We will hear and obey and trust it is your voice we hear. The call of the Spirit, we determine amidst all uncertainty always to trust. Teach us to live with eternity in view. Amen.